Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. You see, this has always been the case for sinful humanity. You could say sinful Israel who fell in the desert and still was in a fallen condition, but for all of mankind to realize our condition before the Holy One. It's captured in Isaiah 64. If you turn there, Isaiah chapter 64. While you turn there, I'm gonna read to you from uh, Psalm 24, but turn to Isaiah 64. We'll start in verse one, but here's Psalm 24, three and four. It says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. The only way you can have clean hands and a pure heart is to have that heart cleansed by Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 64. The culmination of so much in the book of Isaiah, Israel's problems, God saying there's hope, and here's Isaiah 64, one says, oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at thy presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence, Isaiah 64, three. When thou did awesome things, which we did not expect, thou didst come down, and the mountains quaked at thy presence, For from old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, neither has the eye seen a God besides thee, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Thou dost meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who who remembers thee in thy ways. Behold, thou was angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is what? Unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. All of us wither like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. And there is no one who calls on thy name, who arouses himself to take hold of thee. Think of the leper. For thou hast hidden thy face from us and thou hast delivered us into the power of our iniquities or the power of our sins. That's the leper, but he came to the Lord. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, thou our potter. And all of us are the work of thy hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now, all of us are thy people. Do you see? Israel is being pictured here, but all of mankind in this broken condition. And all you've got to do is realize where you are in the presence of the Holy One. Back to Mark chapter one. And you can receive healing. There are two tricky things about sin though. There are some people walking the planet who do not realize their condition. They don't think they need God's help. They think Christianity and that kind of thing is for other people, other people who need Jesus. There's a story about uh, this type of religious person who doesn't think they're a sinner 
told about um, John Wesley and George Whitfield had a supporter of theirs. She was the Countess or Lady of Huntington. She invited a duchess, the proud duchess of Buckingham, to hear Whitfield preach and receive this amazing written reply. Listen to this. It is monstrous to be told, she says, that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting, and I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiment so much at variance with high rank and good breeding, close quote. It's the poor wretches that need to hear that kind of stuff, not someone like me, said the duchess. And you run into people like this. They say, oh, Jesus, fine for those poor people who, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. But they don't realize that they are the picture of a person who needs the Lord. And then there's somebody on the other extreme, and that's the person who thinks that they're so full of leprosy, quote unquote, so far gone that the Lord would never be willing to touch them. They say things like, you know, if I ever walked into that church, you'd better step a few paces back because there might just be lightning at the door. And I've told people, yeah, that may happen, but that's all right. No, just kidding. You see, there are some people who think they're in no need of repentance. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. He said, in repentance and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you, Isaiah 30, verse 15, were unwilling. But the man, the leper, was willing. He risked everything. Rabbis even said that if a leper came near you, it was legal to throw stones at them. The rabbis taught that. Hey, if they get too close, it's okay. It's, it's, it's religious. Just pick up a rock. Oh, the rabbi said it's... This is how bad it had gotten. Think of all this man risked to come to the feet of Jesus and admit his deep need. Lord, on his face, you can make me clean. Are you willing? And moved with compassion. I think verse 41, Mark 1, 41, everybody else was probably filled with anger, filled with resentment, surprise, Jesus was filled with compassion. You want to know something about your Savior? You want, you want to know something about the Messiah? When everybody else didn't want to deal with people, he was filled with compassion. The word compassion is an interesting word in Greek. It's a word that means to feel something deep inside. In fact, the ancients used to associate it with the bowels. It means feeling something so deeply that it is gut-wrenching. Jesus didn't look at this man on his face, diseased and and disfigured and say to him, oh, look at that poor person. You know, maybe we'll help him out. No, Jesus felt his pain. This is beyond sympathy. It's even beyond empathy. It's to feel what he felt, breath for breath, blood for blood. It's to say, man, my soul yearns for you. you. You guys, if we just had a smidgen of that compassion, that compassion might move us as well. Jesus was moved with compassion. What moves you? You know, compassion is simply love and action. And in the Hebrew picture language, it's interesting. Compassion is a word that means the womb. It speaks of the womb of a mother. 
that place that's set aside, especially for compassion for another. And Jesus had compassion on the man. Everybody else probably felt hate. Everybody else probably was disgusted. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he did something that would have alarmed everybody. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. John chapter six says, whoever comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast them out. God is not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. God wants all men and women to come to a knowledge of the truth. He won't cast you out if you recognize your condition and come in humility. And the, the leper came and Jesus did something that scholars say, according to the teaching of the law of Moses and rabbinic tradition, would make him ceremonially unclean. He touched the man. And this touch spoke volumes because this man probably hadn't been touched in years. In fact, nobody wanted to even be near him. I heard of a pastor who said he used to counsel with an older man. He would meet with this older man weekly and the older man admitted that he was extremely lonely. Some of his choices had put him there. And that he would go once a week to get a haircut just to experience some physical touch because no one ever hugged him. No one ever touched him. No one cared about him. The world is filled with lonely people. Where do they all come from? That was a song. <laughs> you have a family. You take things for granted. You think, oh, that they should do this for me. They should do this for me. Folks, we don't know how good we have it. We don't realize the blessings that we possess by the grace of God. And the leper came, broken, at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus touched him. Now, there's no way you can make the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, unclean. So whatever they want to say, Jesus was not unclean. But his touch of the leper is a picture. Remember I told you his miracles are parables. His touch of the leper is a picture of the incarnation and in the gospel. Track with me. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible teaches a great exchange that our sin went on him and his righteousness comes to us. When Jesus died on the cross, it says he made him who knew no sin to be what? To be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in that touch is a picture of the coming cross where God will treat Jesus as though he were leprous and give to us the clean righteousness of our Savior. This is the great exchange. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is what God has done for us. What did that touch mean in that moment? How many people in that room were shocked? You remember the woman with the flow of blood? She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garments, I will be made well. His touch is the master's touch. And this is what he did. When he was on the earth, he shocked people with who he was willing to let get close to him because he did not come to call the healthy. He came to call the sick to repentance. And he said to the religious leaders, go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. 
I did not come to, the, to call the righteous or those who think they're righteous, but sinners. Do you remember, remember uh, later in the Gospel of Mark, this is in John as well, he saw the great multitude and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is also in Matthew. He looked at the multitudes and he saw them downcast and overcome by life and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd and he felt compassion on them. Let me ask you, how's your heart? You know, sometimes we look at our hearts and we say, Lord, do I feel a measure of compassion like you do? God forbid that my heart would become leprous, that my heart would become indifferent and cold to humans around me. This is the ministry, you guys. And getting in the trenches with other human beings is not always easy. And sometimes we get, we get uh, you know, overwhelmed. We, we get wronged by people. And sometimes we close our hearts but Jesus didn't do that. It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the donate button. For any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. Colossians 3.12 says, So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Don't forget who you were when you met Jesus so that your heart doesn't become cold and calloused. And Jesus, according to Luke's gospel, stretched out his hand and touched him. And he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus moved with compassion, said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. There's oftentimes when I read my Bible, I wish that there were, I'd, I'd like to know if there's a video room in heaven. Do you guys ever think this? You, you see Bible stories and you read about them and you go, what would it have looked like to watch this leper go from unclean and diseased and what most people would consider incurable to well again, to cleanse? Did parts of his body grow back? Did he go from skin that looked all weird and shiny spots to smooth? Do you remember Naaman the Syrian? There's only two cases, by the way, in the Old Testament where a leper is healed that I know of. Second Kings 5, Naaman the Syrian. He goes to the prophet's house. The prophet says, he doesn't even greet him at the door. He says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And on the seventh time, the prophet didn't like it either. There's cleaner rivers in our town. I'm So he dips in the Jordan, and the seventh time he came up, his skin became like the skin of a baby. When you get older and you you hold a baby, their skin is incredible. It's like, oh, that's why you're tempted to go, it's just amazing. The other case where someone was healed of leprosy is in Numbers 12, and it's the case of Miriam. Miriam started bagging on her brother, but her brother just happened to be Moses who talked to God face to face, and Aaron was part of it as well. And God took that pretty seriously, and Miriam became leprous. And Aaron, who also was part of the problem, said, oh, Lord, please don't hold this sin against her. 
And in a famous line, God says through Moses, if her father would have spit in her face, she would have been unclean for a while is the essence of the, of the teaching. She'll be outside the camp for seven days. And Miriam apparently was leprous for seven days and received then back into the camp after a week's time. The grace of God had extended his hand, but there's a lesson even in that. And Jesus now heals the man and the transformation must have blown anybody away who was still there. You know, it's kind of like when you leave a ball game early and then you find out your team scored two touchdowns in the last two minutes to win. You're like, oh no! Paid $475 per ticket. And then you're like, well, we hear it on the radio, but they lost. And then your team comes back to win. Can you imagine leaving that day and somebody told you, oh, you won't believe what happened here. What? Oh, the leper man, <laughs> something happened. He's transformed in front of us, healed by the power of Almighty God. Immediately, 42, Mark 1, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Immediate healing. And Jesus sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. Look at verse 44. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go. <laughs> now, wait a minute. How do you do that? How could you be a leper for the last several years of your life, diseased, your whole life is defined by the leprosy, you get cleansed, and then the Lord says, oh, there's one caveat here, it's in the small print of the contract. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> what? So you're walking home, and somebody says, aren't you the leper? Can't tell you. Sorry. <laughs> Mum's the word. But you're the guy that, oh, Sorry. Maybe in this uh, exhortation by Jesus is a bit of irony. This is my take on it. Go with me. How could he not tell people? How could he not go onto the highways and byways and say, the man who was unclean, clean, clean. How could you not say something? Maybe that's part of what's implied here. He was so used to being the soiled one and the dirtied one, and now he was a living missionary. How is it that we, the church, who have been saved from spiritual leprosy, have such a difficult time telling people about the one who healed us? I don't know if you should talk about that. I don't know. People get offended by that. Do we really believe that a spiritual transformation has happened to us to such an extent that we were dead and we're alive again? We were unclean and we're clean again. I ask you, when's the last time your heart was moved with compassion? That just your transformation story alone motivated you to say something? Well, this is the story and the man is told, show yourself to the priest Offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. You see, the man was a missionary not only on the highways and byways, but he would be a testimony to the priest because in Leviticus 14, write this down for your notes, verses 1 through 32, is an involved process for a, a person who gets healed of leprosy. And it was very rare, but it was there in Leviticus 14. And here's what would happen. First of all, the man would have to trek down from the northern part of Israel down to Jerusalem to go into the area of the temple. In biblical times, the rare deliverances from leprosy were certified by an elaborate and uniquely joyful ceremony that extended over eight full days in fulfillment of the directives of Leviticus 14. It began when a priest met the would-be celebrant outside the camp and verified that he had actually was healed. Then still outside the camp, two birds were presented along with some cedar wood, 
scarlet yarn, and hyssop. One of the birds was killed in a clay pot so that none of its blood was lost. This was done above fresh water, symbolic of cleansing. Next, the live bird, along with the wood, yarn, and hyssop, was dipped in the blood. The blood was sprinkled upon the leper seven times. Think of Naaman in the, the Jordan River. He was pronounced clean. The initial ceremony concluded with the bird, the live bird, being released in the open fields where it flew away, symbolizing newfound freedom. As a result of the blood-sprinkled person could once again join the community because he was excluded from the community. This foreshadowed the effect of Christ's blood, which reconciles man to God and makes it possible for the sinner to join the household of faith. After the bird's release, the cleansed man washed his clothing, shaved his hair from his body, bathed, and entered the camp where he, his family, and friends rejoiced for seven days. On the seventh day, his head, eyebrows, and beard were shaved, and he again bathed so that like a newborn, he was ready to enter into a new phase of existence. Remember I told you that compassion points to the womb? The leper being cleansed is like a newborn. Think of Naaman the Syrian, his, his skin like baby skin, and he re-enters the community. He's been outside the camp, but now washed by the blood, if you will, cleansed by the healer, the master. He has newfound freedom. He's clean again. He enters into the community of faith. Are you with me? This is the picture. Do you see the spiritual picture emerging? It means someone who was lost and outside the family of faith is now found again. They're born again to a living hope. On the eighth day, the former leper offered three unblemished lambs as a guilt offering, a sin offering, and a burnt offering. The guilt offering was not an atoning sacrifice, but a restitution for the offerings and sacrifices he was unable to make while he was a leper. And then he would go and he would be reunited with family. Can you imagine the joy of the healed man and his family as this communal celebration uh, accompanied the great eighth day. And the eight, number eight in the Bible, we know is the number of what? New beginnings. That's the celebration. That's this man going into the temple as a testimony to the priests and to all who would listen. Jesus often addressed the people of Israel and he would address their will. He would say to them, you were unwilling to come. That's found in a wedding feast story in Matthew 22. Jesus looks over Jerusalem and says, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, yet you were unwilling. In John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, yet these are they that testify to me, yet you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life, John 5, 39 and 40. And then Jesus says in John 7, 17, if any man is willing to do his will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. About the year 1830, a man named George Wilson killed a government employee who caught him in the act of robbing the mails. He was tried and sentenced to be hanged. However, President Andrew Jackson sent him a pardon. But Wilson did a strange thing. He refused to accept the pardon and no one knew what to do. So the case went to the Supreme Court. Chief Justice Marshall, perhaps one of the greatest justices ever, wrote the court's opinion to this strange situation, pardoned by the president, a man would not accept it. Here's the court's opinion. He said, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. 
George Wilson must be hanged. And so he was. You see, an invitation to come to the master and experience his touch is just that. The question is, are you willing? If you are willing, he will certainly extend his hand to you. But if you won't come, if you won't recognize your condition, or you feel like you're beyond the master's touch, you will not receive the pardon. Every person walking the face of the earth has to see their spiritual condition like Peter did when Jesus did the miracle, fall on their face in humility and say, Lord, if you are willing, you alone can make me clean. And when you do that, the Bible teaches that the Lord will give you his righteousness in exchange for your sin. You must be willing because he is willing. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ, here's the good news for the Christian, keeps on cleansing us from how much? All sin. So that now when I walk around, I walk around saying, clean, clean, clean. Not because of what I've done, but because of who I belong to. That is the story of salvation. He is willing. The question he asks is, are you? Oscar, there, there are reports emerging even this morning. I think, the, you know, I don't have the details, but of a school shooting in Northern, Northern California. We have, uh, we've had other churches where shooters have gone into other churches. We've had the Las Vegas shooting. Um, we, we've had, uh, you know, myriads of situations in, uh, on school grounds and movie theaters and churches. Uh, people, you know, even went into a church in Egypt and, and blew themselves up and killed many people. So we do see evil. And anybody who thinks that there is no evil out there is just, you're just living in a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll circle back. Wanting, Let's say that there is somebody that's really resonating with what we're saying. And they want to know if there's hope for them, if there's light for them, if there's peace for them, if there's an answer to the darkness that they experience. And I think it's right here. It's in the person of Jesus Christ because these demonic spirits in his presence, all they are is fearful and they're going to obey what he says. They identify Jesus as the Holy One. Yeah. So now in answer to your original question is that you would ask, what can we do to encourage someone who is in their dark hour, who's in their dark place? We can assure you that Jesus Christ is the way, that he is the one who can release you from your chains. Well, I think you're talking about um, what Jesus Christ came to do, which is to make people free. Yes. Um, in the book of Acts, it says that Jesus, Peter is in the house of Cornelius and he's talking about Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. This is Acts 10, 38. He says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You can see the power of Jesus Christ to release a life from fear, from darkness, from bondage. Jesus came to set us free. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Um, that's the power of Jesus, the power of the gospel. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org 
and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.